Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1. He's explained to the Corinthians about the wisdom of God and the power of Jesus Christ. And he says in verse 20, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Last night, this morning, over and over and over again, 24 men, 24 preachers, 24 song leaders, 24 prayer leaders told us over and over and over again about Christ and Him crucified. They told us about the love of of Jesus Christ. I want to thank the elders of this congregation for allowing Doug and I to... We we got together, Doug, and we we got a few of them together and we worked this up. And, and, uh, you you know, you, you would think it would have been hard to do. But we were working with men who wanted to preach. We were working with with men who wanted to pray. We were working with men who who wanted to lead singing. We were working with with a group of elders that that wanted this to go on, this 24-hour gospel meeting. We were working with a congregation of people who love each other. You guys love each other. I I am so pleased to be a part of this congregation. You guys, I'm so proud of the way you showed up. I'm so proud of the way that you helped. I I know that I'm loved. Doug knows that he's loved. Brother Williams knows that that he's loved. The, The community of Portland knows that they're loved because of you. You're such a special group of people. You really, really are. I really appreciate it. And because of, of, of what you did, because of the turnout that you gave, Christ and Him crucified was preached over and over and over again. Because of what you did, 
the love of Jesus Christ was shared. Your love was shared. Because those of you in Christ, that's, that's what you do. You share love. Jesus loved us. I'm going to show you a picture. It may be a little graphic. I'm not sure. I debated on whether to show this, show this picture or not. It's an, it's an artist's depiction of what Jesus may have looked like hanging upon the cross of Calvary. But I, I believe that the picture, it, it's worth a thousand words. And it shows the deep love of Jesus for each and every one of us. Jesus loved us and He went through so much for us. Jesus' agony began in the garden, the garden of Gethsemane, with the sweating of blood. Hematrodosis. Hematrodosis is a, is a medical term. It's the name given to a rare occurrence of the blood capillaries in the forehead when a person becomes so stressed that they burst. Luke chapter 22, verse 44, And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling upon the ground. Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane at night. He, he was brought before the, the Sanhedrin. He was struck by a soldier when he was questioned by the high priest. John chapter 18 verse 22. And when he said this, one of the officers standing by gave Jesus a blow saying, Is that the way you answer the high priest? Jesus answered, If I've spoken wrongly, bear witness of the wrong. But if rightly, why do you strike me? He was blindfolded. Imagine being, imagine being hit and seeing the punch coming. But imagine being blindfolded and not knowing where it's coming from. Jesus was blindfolded. He was struck in the face repeatedly. He couldn't roll with the punches. He didn't know where they were coming from. The Bible says he was beaten so badly he could hardly be recognized. Mark chapter 14, verse 65. And some began to spit at him and to blindfold him and to beat him with their fists and to say to him, Prophesy! And the officers received him with slaps in the face. Isaiah 53, verse 14. So his appearance was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Isaiah 50, verse 6. I gave my back to those who strike me and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. Jesus was stripped of his clothing. He was scourged. A soldier used a whip called a flagrum consisting of leather straps embedded with metal and glass fragments. 
small metal balls were sewn into the thongs of each of the scourging cords. And this whip was brought down with a full force against the back of Jesus. And then as it was, as it was brought down upon his back, it was pulled so that it, it just tore at the flesh. The Jews, they, they, they stopped at 39 stripes. The Jews, 40 was the, was the law, but they stopped at 39, so they wouldn't go beyond the law. This was a Roman scourging. They just stopped when they got tired. By this time, Jesus was in great pain suffering severe blood loss. He was becoming very weak, very thirsty. Only after this was he taken to be crucified. They stripped him. They put a scarlet robe on him. They placed a crown of thorns on his eye. You know, placed, jammed a a crown of thorns upon his head. The robe, it would stick to the congealed blood on his back. And when they took that off of him, rips the rest of the skin away. These thorns were shoved between his scalp and his skull and severely bleeding. It says in Matthew 27, verse 30, they spat on him, they took a reed, and they began to beat him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took his robe off and put his garments on him and led him away to crucify him. Matthew 27, verse 29, after weaving a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they knelt down before him and they mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews. Jesus was mocked, he was beaten, he was scourged. By this time, he would be very weak. He would have had a a beam at the very least placed upon his back. He, He was so weak from this beating that another person was drafted to carry this cross. They found a man of Cyrene named Simon whom they pressed into service to bear his cross. Matthew 27 verse 32. Listen to this doctor's description. Jesus was led away to the cross and finally he was nailed to a cross beam. Normally a person was laid down upon the cross beam and a nail driven into into one wrist. Then the other hand was pulled very tightly and another nail was driven into the other wrist. The nails were usually about six to eight inches long. Placing the nail in the wrist severs the median nerve resulting in a burning pain as well as paralysis of the hand. This doctor writes, once Jesus was lifted to the cross, his feet were nailed to it. But in order to do this, his, his knees had to, be, had to be bent so that his, his feet would be, would be flat. Once suspended, the force of gravity would bring the weight down upon the nail. resulting in great pain, severe marring of the body. 
ripping ligaments, popping his shoulders, discolating his joints. Because the outstretched, this doctor writes, because of the outstretched position of the arms, the chest cavity is perpetually expanded and it's very difficult to breathe. What he would have to do is he would have to, he would have to push up to breathe. But he can only hold that for so long. And he'd have to drop back down again. And he couldn't breathe. Soon the body, this doctor writes, soon the body gets to the point of no return and the heart either ruptures or the person dies from asphyxiation because of the carbon dioxide that was being built up in his lungs. Because he couldn't breathe. He basically drowned. He was drowning without water. But before that happened, the blood loss results in extreme thirst. And the body craves water to restore that that blood that's been lost. Jesus said, John chapter 19, verse 28, I thirst. And a a soldier put some sour wine, Luke 23, 36, on a stick. But Jesus refused it because he wouldn't seek to escape this ordeal. He was so badly beaten before he got to the cross. He died relatively in a short amount of time considering it wasn't necessary to break his legs as so many did. That You know, if the legs were broken, they couldn't push up, you see. But Jesus was already dead, so they didn't have to break his legs. Jesus loved us so much. I want to be loved like that. Don't you? Don't you want to be loved like that? Guess what? You were. You were. Because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. How can you not love somebody like that back? If you can't love Jesus, you don't love God. And if you don't love God, you don't love your fellow man. If you don't love your mama and daddy or your children or your wife or your husband, the Bible says you don't love yourself. A Christian loves and and practices righteousness. How do I know? Well, the Bible tells me so. 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. We need to get right with our love, church. 
without love, all of this means nothing. Jesus loved us so much, He died for us. How far are you willing to go to love Him? You know, we need to watch out how we use the word love because love is important. Love is a, is a command. Love is supreme. God is, is love. We need to get right with how we use the word. Why? Well, because it matters. You know, it matters. Many words in the English language have been twisted or they're, they're used incorrectly. We live in an anything-goes society. The word love is used from everything from peanut butter to your husband, isn't it? Do we cheapen the word love when we say, I love chili and I love mama? The words you speak, they, they, the words you speak prove your character. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, And I say to you that every careless word that men shall speak, they shall render account for it in the day of judgment. Here it is. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. It matters what you say. To flippantly use a word is, is dangerous, especially love. Love is, is important. Love should be important to us because it's, well, it's important to God. If, if you don't love, you don't know God. You want to know God, don't you? You want to know God. Of the three most prominent 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, of the three most prominent Christian gifts, love is the greatest. Now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest is faith? No. The greatest is hope? No. Faith will one day be realized. Hope will one day be realized. But we'll always have love. It's the greatest. Love is so important. Love is a command. We're commanded to love one another just as He loved. John 13, 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, what did Jesus do for you? A picture's worth a thousand words. He died for you. Are you willing to go that far? I'm not talking about some kind of suicide bomber crazy cult thing. I'm not talking about that. Are you ready to give up your life so that the body of Christ here on this earth will live? By this, he says next, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Are you letting a, an old grudge get between you and a brother or a sister? If you're letting that grudge get between you and, or a brother and a sister, well, you're letting that grudge get between you and God. Husbands, do you love your wife enough to die for? 
Wives, do you love your husband enough to respect him? Do you both love your family enough to take control of it? Children, do you love your parents enough to obey them? Do you love your neighbor enough to invite them? You who have boyfriends, you who have girlfriends, do you love them enough not to have sex with them? I said it. Do you love your friends enough not to drink with them, not to smoke with them, not to do drugs with them? Do you love that much? Our success in the Christian life, in the home, in our jobs, in our relationships, in our schools, largely depends upon our ability to love. Are you ready to give up the world to save your soul? Are you ready to to live and die for Jesus Christ? If If you are, if you are, then you have supreme love. You have God's love. Love is supreme. God is the supreme being and He demands that we love Him supremely. He demands that we put Him first in in all matters. Exodus 20 verses 1 through 3, He says, in in paraphrase there, there were to be no other gods put before Him. No other gods were supposed to come before God Almighty. Matthew wrote, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things, they'll be added to you. We must put God first. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, We must put God first and love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. To do so is to love Him with with all your powers, with all that is you. Our affections must be placed on on the things above, the the heavenly things, the heavenly nature, not not on things here. That That was a theme that ran yesterday and the day before over and over and over again we're we're not supposed to put our 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 treasures here on this earth we're we're supposed to lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven colossians 3 verse 1 if then you have been raised up with christ keep seeking the things above where christ is seated at the right hand of god set your mind on the things above not on the things that are on the earth for you have died and your life is hidden with christ and god when christ who is our life is revealed then you also will be revealed with him in glory first john Chapter 2, verse 15, do not love the world nor the things in the world. Notice, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Notice, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away. The world's going away, guys. We cannot put our hope and our faith and our love into the world because the world's going away. Jesus is personified in love. Jesus is love personified. 
he could consistently be interchangeable with the word love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. God is love, it says, in 1 John chapter 4 verse 7. Notice as I read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not God. I'm interchanging God with love there. But have not God, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but I have not God, I am nothing. God's love. Christians are to abound in love for one another. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12. So, therefore, the Christian could be substituted. The word Christian could be substituted for the word love there. If you're a Christian, your name could be substituted for, for the word love there. Let me, let me read it this way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have... Not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, although I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love, wait a minute, let's put my name in there. Chad suffers long. If I'm a Christian... I'm part of God, and God is love. Billy Joe doesn't envy. Brother Eddie, he, he, he's not puffed up. He doesn't behave rudely. He doesn't, doesn't seek his own. He's not provoked. He thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Miss Joyce never fails. Are we ever that perfect? Are we ever that perfect? Well, we're strived to be. We're, so, we're, we're, to, we're to be perfect even as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And in God's love is perfected in us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. No one has seen God any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love has been perfected in us. We have a loving congregation here at Fountainhead. We really, really do. You are a loving, loving people. And that love is going gonna, is gonna to carry us on and we're going to grow and we're, we're, we're going to do great things as a congregation because of the love that you have for each other, for the lost, Sometimes, though, do you wonder if you do love? How do you know when you've got it right? How do you know when you're loving correctly? Well, we love to talk to those we love, don't we? I love a good conversation. Do we love to talk to God in prayer? 
you know, I like talking to you. You like talking to me. We like talking to somebody that we love, don't we? Do we love God enough to talk to Him? When we spend time in prayer, in the praise of our Lord, then we know we've got it right. We know we're loving correctly. We know we love to hear those we love. We love to listen to those that we love. I love to hear good singing. And here at Fountainhead, we have some good singing. And I love to hear good preaching. And I heard some great preaching in the last couple of days. I was like a kid in a candy store. I love to hear family and friends talk and laugh. I can, I can remember being a little boy at my grandmother's house. And I had big families. And all my aunts and uncles would be over there. And they would just be talking and talking and talking. And it was a sleeping pill. You could lay on the couch and... I love to hear it. Do we love to hear God talk to us through the Scriptures? Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. When we love the Bible, the, the, the words of God, we know we're getting right with our love when we listen to Him. Because we listen to those we love. We love to be with those that we love. Do you, do you like being around your loved ones, your family, your friends, those that you like? Well, do you love spending time with the Lord in worship? Or are we too busy, ready to leave till next week? Notice, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. That's verse 24. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. You see, Jesus Christ is coming back and there's no way that I can exhort you. There's no way I can build you up. There's no way I can help you if I don't ever see you. And if you don't ever see me, there's no way you can help me out. When you find yourself meeting with the saints and looking forward to it, you know you're loving right. Love makes us happy to do things. You know, we like to do things for those we love. You know, my father said he was the we in my mom and dad's relationship. He's the we. He is the we in their relationship. In other words, when my mama walked into a room and she said, you know, we need to paint this room, the we was he. We love to do things for our sweeties, don't we? Does it make us happy to be in the Lord's fellowship and, and working with each other and, 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 and groaning with each other and sweating with each other and bleeding with each other? Does that make you happy? It, it should. Matthew 25 verse 34 
then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared before you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer, I say to you, surely I, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. When we're doing for those that we love, God and each other, we're loving right. We got it right. You're loving correctly. We sacrifice for those that we love. We sacrifice time and money and fun for those we love many times. How about for God? Do we do so for God? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. If we are a cheerful giver with our money and with our time, when we sacrifice for, for God, we've got that love right. We're doing it right. We know we love God because we, we pray and we read and we're in church and we, we do good. Even if it means sacrifice. Even if it means that, that to pray means we might have to sacrifice some time. Even if, even if reading God's word means we may have to turn the TV off. Even if, if doing good for somebody means that well, we may not get to do this thing that we want to do, that we've been thinking about doing for a long time. We've been putting money aside for. Even if it means sacrifice. We know we love God because we keep His commandments. Notice John chapter 14, verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him, we know we're getting it right when we're built up and we're edified and we're we're just unmovable. Love builds us up. Love edifies. God edifies. Christians edify and 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 build build each other up. Carrie edifies. Danny edifies. Sean edifies when we love. Do you edify? Do you build your brother and your sister up? If you do, you're getting it right. You're loving correctly. I want to be loved like that. Wait a minute. You are. 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Do you believe? Skip down to John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Do, do, you, do you love God? Well, let's see. Do you love God enough to obey Him? Jesus wants you to take up His cross follow Him. Must Jesus bear this cross alone? Or will you help? Will you love Him enough to carry that cross out into the world? What I loved about the 24-hour gospel meeting is, is that Jesus was unchanged from the church building. Jesus was out into the community of Portland being preached over and over and over again. Christ and Him crucified. What Jesus did for us was being preached over and over and over again. The love of Christ was being preached over and over and over again. And you were a part of that, Fountainhead. You were a part of that. Do you want to be a part of Christ? If you want to get into Jesus Christ, there's, there's over a hundred verses that tell you the joys of being in Christ, the, the blessings of being in Jesus Christ. But you know, there's only two verses that tell you how to get into Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 3, and Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, you're baptized into Jesus Christ. If you'd like to be baptized into Jesus Christ and know a love like no other, come right now as together we stand and sing.